fullness of the Spirit. And I mentioned to you that if there's the fullness of the Spirit, it means that we receive the Spirit in measures, right? That there's some people who are not full of the Spirit, who are not functioning in the fullness of the Spirit. And please catch that message if you missed it last week. And so we're now going to go into part two and part three. And I'm going to preach fast, so can you listen fast? Amen. All right? Part two, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus. It's important that we understand as a foundation that when Jesus came to the earth, Jesus was fully God and fully, and fully man. But the miracles that he did, he was functioning as a man completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. Amen. He was functioning as a what? as a man completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. He wasn't doing those miracles as God. He was doing those miracles as a man under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, he's our example of this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. The Bible tells us, he says, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul delights. Talking about Jesus, right? Now watch this. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. What came first? Did he just go and proclaim justice to the nations? It says, I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim. The anointing is for you to do something. Brother Stuart has just mentioned it. It's not for the goosebumps primarily. It's nice to feel good in God's presence, but he anoints us in order for us to do what? To do something. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice. I don't know what you've been called to do by the Lord Jesus, but there's a reason why he's put his spirit on you. For some of you, it's to proclaim. For some of you, it's to heal. For some of you, it's to teach. For some of you, it's to mend hearts. For some of you, it's to bring reconciliation. But you need the Spirit of God in order to do those things. So I have a question for you this morning. How much of the Holy Spirit do you want? The Holy Spirit is God. And God's power is manifest on the earth through his spirit. And for me to be effective in this life, I'll be effective to the degree to which I function in the power of the Holy Spirit. Is everyone hearing me this morning? Now watch this, watch this. My question to you is, how much of the Holy Spirit do you want? But do you know what the Holy Spirit's question to you is? How much of you can I have? I'm here asking you this morning, how much of the Holy Spirit do you want? The Holy Spirit is asking you, how much of you can I have? Watch this. In Luke 4 verse 18, talking about Jesus, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to sit down and do nothing. Because he has anointed me to just feel good in my corner. No, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, 
Those three things that are mentioned in the ministry of Jesus all require the Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus needed the power of the Spirit to preach good news. How many of you know that you can preach but not under the power of the Spirit? How many of you know that you can go and proclaim deliverance but not under the power of the Spirit? How many of you know that there are many things you can do in church because of your natural gifting and talent, but you will not be effective unless you are under the power of the Spirit. And that's where we get deceived, isn't it? You can get up in front of people like, now. I could get up and do a motivation talk, but not under the power of the Spirit. Someone can get up who's got a good voice when it comes to singing, and they can sing, and we confuse their anointing with a nice emotional feeling we feel because they've got a nice voice. Make sure that whatever you're doing is in the power of the Spirit if you want to see lives changed. Amen? John 3, verse 34, in the NIV. It says, For the one whom God sent, it's talking about Jesus, speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. This is a very, very powerful scripture. He speaks the word of God, for God gives him the Spirit without limit. I like it in the NLT. It says, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the Spirit without limit. There's a link between speaking the words of God and having the Spirit of God. You know that. If we want to walk and live by the Spirit of God, we need to be proclaiming His words. Because Word and Spirit throughout Scripture work hand in hand. So I have to make a choice in my life that am I going to speak God's words or am I going to speak my own words? I have to make a choice that each time I speak to my kids, am I going to speak God's words or am I going to speak my own words? That each time I speak to my wife, am I going to speak God's words or am I going to speak my own words? The Holy Spirit encapsulates God's words, not your words. I'm going to say it again. The Holy Spirit encapsulates God's words, not your own words. If we want to see more of the power of God released by the Spirit of God, we need to be proclaiming God's words. Amen? I must look at my wife and be thinking to myself, what is God's heart toward her? And I must speak God's heart and God's words. Are you hearing me? And when I speak my own words, I'm representing myself and I'm not representing God. By the way, she sends the love. She's doing the Ekuleni 5150. It's a triathlon, okay? And she sends the greetings and her love to all of you in case some of you think she's sick or something has happened. I know there's some, some of you who really are loving and caring and you care about us. You're like, where's Pastor Tracy? Oh, I hope she's okay. How many of you are thinking that? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, one, two. I love you, my sister. I love you, my sister. Anyone else? Justin, I love you, my brother. The rest of you are wizards. Jokes. Jokes. <laughs> there, used to be a, there used to be a particular guy who used to say that. <laughs> anyway, praise God. So, so it says, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. There's a powerful principle here. It says that Jesus was sent by? Jesus was sent by? 
Do you know that elsewhere Jesus prays, Jesus is speaking and he says, Father, in John 17, in the same way that you sent me, I have sent them. So it's not just Jesus who was sent. You and me were also sent. Amen? In case you think this just applies to Jesus. So point number one there, G Jesus was sent, but we were also sent. Amen? Then it says, he speaks the very words of God. How many of you know that you can also speak the words of God? Elsewhere in scripture it says, don't worry about what you'll have to say, for the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and give it to you and teach you what to say. So me and you, you and I, we can speak the very words of God. Amen? So here it says Jesus was sent by God, so were we. He spoke the very words of God, so can we. When we yield to him. Amen? And then it says that he had the spirit, he has the spirit without limits. Without limit. The degree, this is very powerful, watch this. The degree to which you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life will be the degree to which you are willing to be sent by him. Where everything you are doing, you are yielded to him. You are doing it according to his blueprint. You are doing it as one who's been sent. As an apostolic people. Sent ones. Amen? The degree to which you walk in the power of God will be the degree to which you walk as one who's sent and the degree to which you speak his words. Are you seeing this in scripture? Amen. You're seeing it in scripture. If I speak my own words, why should I expect the Holy Spirit to come and endorse it? That's why throughout scripture, what does it say? Does it just say, oh, and there were many miracles that happened because this person was just spiritual, sitting on some mountain, or if you're South African, mountain, sitting on some mountain and the spirit just moved. No, it says they proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, the words of God. And what did the spirit do? And many were healed and many miracles took place. Amen? I want to say something else. Don't limit the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is not bound by age? How many of you know that the Holy Spirit can move powerfully through a little baby? Watch this, watch this. In Luke chapter 1 verse 15, it says, talking about John the Baptist, it says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. You see, many of us want to be great in the sight of man. Let's be honest. We want to be famous. We want to be great in the sight of man. But I like what it says about John the Baptist. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Say to the person next to you, I want to be great in the sight of the Lord. Do you know what that means? It means that heaven recognizes you. It means that when you open your mouth and you begin to pray, the resources of heaven are unleashed on your behalf. You are great in the sight of the Lord. And you know what one of the keys of, for that is? Can I just share with you a secret? One of the keys, being great in the sight of the Lord. What does the Bible say? Say, do not be ashamed of me and of my teaching. If you are ashamed of me and my teaching, so I'll be ashamed of you in the presence of my Father's glory, my Father's splendor, right? But if you honor me before men, I will honor you before my? How do you become great in the sight of the Lord? Honor Jesus in this life. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Now watch this. It's talking about John the Baptist. It says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be, he will be 
he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from when? From the mother's womb. And people tell me, ah, oh, no, a it's not a baby in the womb, it's just a fetus. It's not really a human yet, it's just a fetus. You can just get rid of it, it's a fetus. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Let me tell you something. If a baby in the mother's womb, in this particular case, okay, and we might say John was a special case, right? The norm I understand is that we get born again. We get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know that it's possible to be filled with the Spirit and have God use you even while you're in your mother's womb? Are you hearing me? There is no baby Holy Spirit. We would have times where our kids would be seeing visions and all sorts of things in the house, but because we understood something of the prophetic, we weren't frightened by it. In fact, we were excited about it, that, wow, God is doing something in these kids because they're seeing in the Spirit at a young age. And that's why I want to encourage you. A lot of the kids who've been coming here, you are here because of your children. Amen? Some of you. They dragged you to church. And, they've, and some of you, your kids, have outgrown you spiritually. Now, don't put a seat belt on their spiritual growth. If you see your child, I have a number of people speaking to me saying, my child sees things in the spirit and so on. You'll be afraid if you don't understand it. How many of you know that we'll always fear that which we don't understand? Have you noticed that? That's one of the causes of racism. When people don't understand someone else of a different culture, they tend to avoid that which they're afraid of. And we tend to fear that which we don't understand. So we maintain the distance and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? I don't understand you because I'm afraid of you. And I'm afraid of you, so I don't want to get to understand you because of what I might find out. So let me avoid that which I fear. That's what happens. I want to encourage you. Sometimes God exposes you to certain teachings, not primarily because of you but because of the next generation that is being raised up. There's no baby Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't become like tiny and small because he's dealing with a child. He can do miracles through children. Amen. He can prophesy through children. Amen. It says your sons and daughters, the Bible says, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Amen. So how much of the Spirit can your kids have? Let's learn these things for the sake of the next generation. So is everyone in agreement with that part two, the fullness of the Spirit in the life of Jesus? We see that, don't we? I mentioned to you last week that the Holy Spirit settled upon him, remained upon him as a dove. Remember that when he was baptized. Then he says he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. Then he says he came from the, Spirit, came from the wilderness and he went into Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's your portion. Jesus experienced the fullness of the Spirit, so can you. And it says that he had the Spirit without limits. Have you limited the amount of the Holy Spirit you can walk in? You will experience the fullness of the Spirit to the degree to which you yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of you, this is now prophetic, some of you have limited what God wants to do in you. Some of you have thought to yourself, it's for those people. It's for those spiritual type of people. I've been asking people lately, are you born again? Uh, Paul, you know what? The church I grew up in, we just, we weren't taught all these things. 
We were just, we were just religious. In the last week, quite a number of people, they've gave, given their lives to the Lord. But I've asked them that question, and it's a problem we have in this nation, where a lot of people are religious, but they're not full of the Spirit. They're not born of the Spirit, and they're not full of the Spirit. Please, speak to your relatives, speak to your friends, speak to your colleagues in the workplace, and ask them, are you born again? I was speaking to someone, they were talking about praying for this person and believing that, you know, God had wanted to use them to do this and this. And I asked them, are you born again? And they said, you know what, I'm a Christian, but I can't say I'm born again. Ah, born again, eh, I, I can't say. I've just grown up religious, I'm a Christian, but born again, eh, I can't say. Are you hearing me this morning? Maybe that's some of you here and you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service to give your heart to the Lord Jesus. Now we're going to look at part three. I want to give you 10 things that you can do. 10 things that you can do to increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. How many things? 10. Ten. How many things? 10. So I'm going to preach fast, so please listen fast. Number one, yield to the diversity of his activity. Yield to the diversity of the Holy Spirit's activity. The Holy Spirit does many different things. The Bible talks about the manifold wisdom of God. That word manifold is the word in the Greek polypoikulus. What does that mean? Technicolor, multi-sided, like Joseph's dream coat. God has got many dimensions to him. God, by his spirit, has got many ways of working. Amen? I want to encourage you to yield to his diversity. Some people, when they think of the Holy Spirit, they say, I just want to yield to his healing power. That's one dimension. The Bible tells us many things about the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? Where Jesus says, I will give you another comforter. Right? For those of you who speak Shona, that's the word munyaradzi. That's one of the words we use for Holy Spirit. That's comforter. I think uh, locally, uh, the Nguni speaking people, it's mduduzi, isn't it? Right? Some people are called mduduzi. Right? Right? He's our comforter. Some of you need to receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? There's the healing power of the Spirit, but there's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Bible also tells us, Jesus said that the Spirit of God, my, the Holy Spirit, will, the Spirit of truth, will guide you into all truth. Some of you need to be guided into all truth by the Holy Spirit. Can you see that there are different dimensions to the Holy Spirit? Look at this. So, let the comforter comfort you. Let the one who convicts, convict you. The Bible says the Spirit of God will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let him convict you. Let the healer heal through you. Let him teach you. Let him sanctify you. Amen? Do a word study. Let me encourage you. Do a word study on the Holy Spirit. If you know how to do a word study. Right? You do a word study of the Holy Spirit where you look at all the references to the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And it's amazing when you say, you know what? I want to experience the fullness of the Spirit. I want to increase the Holy Spirit activities. I've only been experiencing these three. Let me actually tap into these other ones. Amen? The Holy Spirit gives you power. Matthew 12, verse 28. He tells you of things to come. 
John 16, verse 13. That's the prophetic, isn't it? He gives you boldness. Acts 4, verse 31. How many of you know the boldness of the Spirit? How many of you have experienced the boldness of the Spirit? Yield to His boldness. He appoints ministries. Acts 20, verse 28. You also see it in Acts chapter 13, where he says that the Spirit of God set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work that he had called them to. Amen? There are many dimensions of the Spirit. You see, look at Pastor Vim over there. They finished their services at TUT, okay? Uh, it's exam time and uh, the students are, are going to be going on holiday. Look at Pastor Vim there. I could say to myself, I receive Pastor Vim just as my wife's friend. But how many of you know that that's one dimension of Pastor Vim? Amen? She's just a friend. I could do that. But I've learned that she carries way more than just a friend. Amen? How many of you know that she's good at writing? Her writing skills are very good. So she's worked on the manuscripts of some of my books. Amen? That isn't a friendship thing. That's something that she did. It's a gift she has. How many of you know that she's strong and apostolically minded to establish churches and to pastor churches? So that's what she's been doing. Amen? That's another dimension of Pastor Vim. How many of you know that when we preach these messages, she would have already received the notes and she turns them into prayer strategies? And so if you go onto our website, there's a section, prayer strategy, and she does it, and she's graced to do it. And so you actually have a prayer strategy where you can go during the course of the week and read through the notes, but they're written now as prayers. Amen? That's something else she carries. How many of you know that she's a good prayer leader? So when we have Ignite, who's always leading some of the prayers? Pastor Vim. So... People have different dimensions. And sometimes when you relate to them, you can experience only one dimension. But you limit the relationship. Amen? Is this landing now? Some of you have experienced only one dimension of the Holy Spirit. You got baptized into the Holy Spirit and you've been praying in other tongues. That's one dimension. That's one dimension. You've got the Holy Spirit helping you to pray. And it's true, because the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, for we know not how we ought to pray. So the Holy Spirit comes and helps us in weakness and prays through us. Groans that are not easily understood. Amen? That is one dimension of the Spirit at work in your life. There are many dimensions. Please say to the person next to you, there are many dimensions. Number two, if we want to increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives, number two, don't limit his activity to so-called spiritual things. Don't limit his activity to so-called spiritual things. Some people become very spiritually weird when they're in a church setting. But the moment they're doing business, they say, this is now business. And they become another person. Do you know, what, do you know that's a problem? It means that you've got a divide in your mind mentally between the sacred and the secular, which is not biblical. Amen. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 3, speaking of Bezalel, the guy who, who built the temple, the designer, the architect, what does it say? It says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God to do what? To preach? 
Oh, I thought the Spirit of God was just to do so-called spiritual things. No, it says, I've filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of what? In all kinds of craftsmanship. How many designers do we have here? Please hear this this morning. How many, how many of you are designers? You design clothes. I see that hand. How many of you are designers? How many of you, how many of you are into interior decor? I see that hand. I see that hand. Can use some of you. Praise God. How many of you are into art? Wow. All this talent. Guys, where have you been hiding? Yo. How many of you are into singing? Ah! Stuart! Amen? Can you see what I'm talking about? These guys were building the temple. This guy would work with his hands. These guys were artistic. And it says, I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. So he was anointed to build. Amen. Say to the person next to you, there's an anointing for building. You see, we have an anointing for craftsmanship. Have you noticed that some of you who raised your hands, when you are doing those things, how do you feel? You feel so fulfilled, don't you? And you almost feel like, I'm being selfish because I'm just loving this and it's so easy for me. Why do you feel exhilarated? That's the anointing. The same thing that some of us feel when we are preaching or prophesying or praying, you're feeling it when you're doing what you're doing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is all over you when you're doing that particular thing. Amen? Amen. You'll be known by the world not based on what you're average at. You'll be known by the world based on what you're supernaturally endowed to do. Amen. Some of you who raised your hands, please, 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 we need to talk. Don't hide. Keep coming to church. One of the services, speak to me afterwards. Speak to us because we need to get you involved. Amen. Number three, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. If you want to increase the workings of God in your life by His Spirit, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the what of the Holy Spirit? It didn't just say the power of the Holy Spirit. Often we just think the Holy Spirit is power. It says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see, God doesn't just want to manifest himself through you by being powerful through you. He wants you to be intimate with his Holy Spirit. Can you hear me? All right. He wants you to be intimate with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship here actually means a sharer, a partner, a partaker, a companion. It's actually a word which means mutually belonging. You know the whole concept of we belong together? There was even a song back in the day. This is where we start dating ourselves now. <laughs> we belong together. Amen? Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit being able to say, hey, we belong together. We are partners in this. This is the blessing of the Holy Spirit. My question to you is, to what degree do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? To what degree do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Think about it. 
Years ago, Dr. Yongi Cho, the guy with, at one stage was the biggest church in the world. I think it still is. Anes was overtaken by another one. But the point is, a Korean guy, Dr. David Yongi Cho, used to be Paul Yongi Cho. And then God told him to change his name. Gave him a new identity. Don't know why someone would change their name from Paul to David, but anyway, it's fine, it's all good. But God told him to do that. And what is interesting is he came out with a book and he would talk about the Holy Spirit, my senior partner. I feel that the Holy Spirit is your senior partner. God has called us to fellowship with the Spirit, to talk to him. Holy Spirit, what should we do next? Holy Spirit, just release your power now. Do this. Holy Spirit, is there anything in me, any wickedness in me that's short-circuiting the flow? Talk to him. Have fellowship, have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's not something for, for, for the hired holy man from the north. This is for you. The blessing of God for you. The blessing of God for me. Amen. Number four, walk in the fruit of the Spirit and reject the deeds of darkness. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit and reject the deeds of darkness. How many of you know that when you are born again, you are born of the Spirit? And the Holy Spirit working through your spirit produces fruit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. So if someone truly has the Spirit of God in their lives, there's a character that comes out of that. And that's why our question is always, is it character or is it gift? My question to you is, do you have the character to contain the anointing? Do you have the character to contain the fullness of the Spirit in your life? Amen? Sometimes we forget that the primary description of the Holy Spirit by Jesus is, He's not just the Spirit of God. He's the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget that. He's the, he's the what Spirit? Holy Spirit. And there are certain things the Holy Spirit is attracted to and there are other things that repel Him. There are certain things He's attracted to and there are other things that repel Him. Let me ask you a question. What is attracting the full manifestation of the Spirit of God in your home, in your household, right now? What, are the, what is the atmosphere of your home where the Holy Spirit is like, oh, I want to be here? There are things that attract the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many of you know that when we start praying, the Holy Spirit is drawn to that? Why? Because one of his jobs, part of his job description is to help us when we're praying. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of the saints. So he's attracted to praise. The moment we begin to praise and lift him up, what does he do? God comes and he dwells in our midst by his spirit. Amen? He's attracted to certain things, but there are certain things that repel him. When you have demons and demonic manifestation in your household, please be asking yourself, what are we doing in our household that is attracting this thing and giving the enemy a legal right to mess around with us? Amen? The enemy will try and mess around with you if you're a Christian. But there are certain things that he's attracted to. There are certain things that I don't want to be manifest through my TV screen because they attract certain spirits. How many of you know that an unclean spirit can be attracted to your household because of what you allow to be on your TV? 
How many of you that an unclean spirit can be attracted to your household because of the language that is used at home? The Bible says, get rid of coarse jesting. What is coarse jesting? Rude jokes. Get rid of it. Why? It attracts unclean spirits and messes around with you. Amen? My kids were fighting with each other at home the other day. They were arguing about various things. And my wife just said to them, you know what, kids, just go outside. You, you, you're messing up the atmosphere here. Go outside if you're going to be fighting and arguing like this. Amen? And I remember I arrived home and I'd just been doing a seminar and my wife actually apologized. She said, I'm sorry that you have to walk in to this kind of atmosphere where the kids are fighting. Amen. I mean, you know, pastor's kids also fight. <laughs> Arguing and that kind of thing. Amen. What do you have to get rid of in your house, in your speech, in your action? Let me say something else to you. If there's physical violence in your household that often attracts spirits of rage, murderous spirits, and a spirit of death. You, you understand what I mean? If there's been physical violence in your household, and I don't care who it's with, it could be father, son, it could be husband, wife. I'm telling you right now, close that door because it gives demonic access to your household. Are you hearing me? Right? Close that door. Close that door. Renounce that thing. Repent of it. Lord, forgive us that we've allowed this thing into our household. We rebuke it. We say, be gone. We bind that spirit. We have nothing to do with you anymore. Amen. So why am I saying this to you? Character is important. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 to 30, you read through it and it says, and do not give the devil a foothold. What is a foothold? A legal right. Some people say, oh, but Christians can't have demons. No, a demon can't be in your spirit if you're a Christian, but a demon can oppress you and mess around with your family, right? If they have legal access. So whenever you see demonic activity, please keep asking yourself, what has given the enemy the legal right to be doing this? And when you rebuke the enemy, you're now saying you've got no legal right to be doing this because we've closed that door. We're cleansed in that particular area. All right? It says, do not give the devil a foothold. If you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Can you see it's just talking about character? Watch this. And that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I speak to Christians, I counsel Christians, and they say, oh, and I say to them, when you get angry with your spouse, what do you do? What do you say? They say, oh, she calls me this, or she says that. Godly people, where you'd be, you'd be thinking, do they, oh, does this, is this person, does, do they use that language? I'm shocked. When you use foul language, it attracts unclean spirits. Please understand. You guys understand the spirit world, right? We've got a book coming out called, called, the, called Freedom based on that series that we did, the, the things we've taught on warfare, please, when it comes out, uh, beginning of next year, I think they would have finished the design work and so on, please, please, get hold of it, right? But now watch this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Can you see it's all talking about character? But what does verse 30 say? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 
How do we grieve him? By doing all those things. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So my question to you this morning is, what welcomes demons to your house and keeps them there? Guard the atmosphere around you. Sometimes there's certain phone calls we receive that we shouldn't be receiving. Ask yourself, ask yourself, what is it in my flesh that causes me to not say no to certain things? Do you know there's certain people who try and get involved in your life? They try and get involved in your life, but they shouldn't be. You shouldn't be a partaker of anything they're doing or anything they say. Are you hearing me this morning? But the reason you stay involved, it might be the need to be understood or the need to be respected by them or the need to be seen as being a nice person. I experienced that a lot. There are times when the Holy Spirit would have put a check in my spirit in terms of, mm, don't keep talking to person X. And I'm thinking to myself, but I don't want them to think I'm a horrible, mean pastor and that I'm not a nice person. I'll be honest with you, I go through that. And the Lord has challenged me that I must rather protect the anointing than interact in certain ways with certain people. Amen? In Isaiah 4, verse 4, it says, The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by what? By a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Can you see? I said to you earlier on the different dimensions of the Holy Spirit, right? The spirit of judgment and the spirit of fire. Some translations talk about the spirit of burning. He is the spirit who sanctifies us. What does fire do? Fire cleanses. Some of you still have to go through that process. The spirit of burning. My friends, when you go through the spirit of burning, this is what happens. There have been cases of certain pastors who've committed adultery. I'm thinking of a particular case where a pastor committed adultery and when he was confessing it, it was a partial confession. You know when people do partial confessions? When they say like, yeah, no, yeah, this and this happened. What happened was he was then being counseled afterwards and going through a healing process and the terror of the Lord hit him. How many of you know the terror of the Lord is sometimes the spirit of burning? The terror of the Lord hit him. When the terror of the Lord hits you, sometimes you'll have visions of hell. Sometimes you will literally see your spiritual condition before God. The terror of the Lord hit him and then he confessed everything. Amen? See, people, people like just one aspect of the Holy Spirit and they don't like to embrace everything. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 says, I baptize you, this is John speaking, with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Isn't that powerful, his brokenness? He wasn't like, I'm the Mac Daddy, come on. You, guys, look, man, I'm clued, I'm, he's my cousin, my cousin brother. He's my cousin, no. He's like, guys, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. That's brokenness, amen? That is brokenness. And look what he goes on to say. It says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and? 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 The Spirit of God is the Spirit of burning. What needs to be burnt in your life right now? What needs to be burnt in your life right now? 
what needs to be burnt in your life right now. Yield to the Holy Spirit, but when you yield to him, allow him to work his work of fire to burn what's need, what needs to be burnt. Someone once said, Lord, burn me up so that only Christ remains. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 30 to 31. How many of you love the word of God? How many of you understand that this is not just a novel I'm reading to? These are the very words of God. It's not just a novel I'm reading to you. John 14, 30 to 31. It says, I will not speak to you much longer. This is Jesus speaking. For the prince of this world is, is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has no legal right on me. When the Bible speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, it says there is no law against these. When you function in the fruit of the Spirit, the enemy has no legal right against you. Isn't that powerful? When you are fully in Christ Jesus, the enemy cannot touch you, ladies and gentlemen. So Jesus says, and he has no claim on me, but I do. Say, say to the person next to you, but I do. But I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. That's the place of protection. So that the world may know that I love the Father. Get up. Let us go from here. That's talking about character. That's talking about obedience. People don't like talking about that nowadays. He didn't say I do partly what the Father has commanded me. He says I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. And you can only do that when you're completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Well, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do right now? Holy Spirit, what would you have me say? Nothing more, nothing less. Why am I challenging us on this? I want each person in this room to experience the fullness of the Spirit. I want to experience the fullness of the Spirit. I don't want anything in my heart and in my life short-circuiting the fullness of the Spirit. How many of you are on the same page? Right? Cool. Number five, be continually filled the filling doesn't stop. Be continually filled. How, do, how does that happen? Acts chapter 13, 51 to 52. It says, So they shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. So they were basically saying, You guys don't want to receive the word of God? Well, we are moving on from this environment. And what did it say in verse 52? And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. These were people who had already been baptized into the Holy Spirit. But now they are doing the acts of God, acts of righteousness. And what does it say? It says they were filled with the Spirit and with joy. That is very powerful. In Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 19, it says, Instead, be filled with the Spirit. How? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. That's how you turn on that tap. Say to the person next to you, turn on the tap. It says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. That word filled, be filled with the Spirit, it means be filled to individual capacity. Not half full, but full full. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I'm always up to full capacity when it comes to the Holy Spirit. 
And there's certain things like praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, prayer before God, worship before God. There are things that we do where it's like we're turning on that tap and we are yielding to more of the Holy Spirit. Obedience, yielding to God, prayers of surrender, prayers of relinquishment. You are continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled there, it literally is be continually filled. Be being filled. Those of you who understand English grammar is the present active participle. It's the present continuous tense. It's something that is continuously taking place in your life. Amen. It's not just like, oh, I was filled with the Spirit. No, you are baptized into the Holy Spirit and then throughout your life you're doing those things as you're yielding to more of the Spirit where you are continually being filled with the Spirit so that you are full in terms of capacity. Is everyone getting this this morning? Are we, are we still good? Okay. Number six. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. I want to ask you this question. Are you open to His leading? Especially when it comes to matters of the heart. How many single ladies do we have in the house? All the single ladies, just raise your hand. just want to see you. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I can hook you up with so-and-so. Oh, okay, jokes. <laughs> Right? Let me ask you a question. Are you open to the leading of the Spirit when it comes to the, a, a guy you want to be hooked up with? If you want to be hooked up. Ha, raise your hand. How many of you are open to the leading of the Spirit? Not the leading of your eyes. The leading of the Spirit. I see that hand. 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 Okay? Are you open to his leading? Now, here's my other question. Are you able to pause long enough so you can hear him and be led by him are you able to pause long enough so you can hear him and be led by him you see if you continue busy 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 then the holy spirit feels pushed out the holy spirit is like okay i'll leave her to her own devices amen can you distinguish between the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, your own voice, and the voice of the enemy? You can only do that if you've got some degree of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? If I pick up the phone and my wife is on the other side, I know her voice. Why? There's an intimacy there. There's a fellowship there. You know the real thing, so when the false thing tries to come up, you're able to see it. Amen? So be led by the Spirit. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. After the Holy Spirit prevented them from speaking the word in the province of Asia. Is speaking the word a good thing? But it says, the Holy Spirit prevented them from speaking the word in the province of Asia. So they traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And when they came to the border, border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But what happened? It says, but the Spirit of Jesus would not permit them. So it's one thing to be led by the Spirit of God to do certain things. It's another thing to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that you know when He's not permitting you to go certain places, even if you're about to do a good thing. Amen? So these guys were flowing with the gospel We'll just do it because we're doing a good thing and then maybe they had a check in the spirit or maybe something happened in the circumstances and they felt this is God. He's not permitting us to go. But in order to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you have to have fellowshiped 
with him. Amen? Could it be that you've gone ahead to certain environments that the Holy Spirit had not permitted you to go to? When you fall into sin and you begin to associate with people you're not supposed to associate with, what gets you there? Is it because you have not fellowshiped enough with the Holy Spirit to have a sense of, mm -mm, not that person? Are you hearing me this morning? That's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's a fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There are times when my wife is cycling and the Holy Spirit will say, don't take that route, take this other route. Don't go here, go here. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. Number seven, speak Jesus' word with Jesus' heart, trusting him. Speak Jesus' words with Jesus' heart, trusting him. If we want to increase the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we must be speaking Jesus' words with Jesus' heart, trusting him. In Luke chapter 12, verse 11 to 12, it says, When you are brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how to defend yourselves or what to say. Do not worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Why? Why shouldn't we worry? Surely it's important. I mean, these are rulers. It says, for at that time, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you should say. Isn't that so powerful? There are times when I'm coaching people in the corporate world and I'm sitting and the Holy Spirit will say, ask the person this question. And that becomes the anchor question that unlocks all sorts of things. Amen? The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say at the particular time. Do you know how we short-circuit that? We worry. We worry. That's why Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you have to say. I will teach you by my Spirit what you will say at the time. So speak Jesus' words with Jesus' heart, trusting him. Amen? In John 14, verse 25 to 26, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what will he do? Will teach you some things? No. Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have told you. So does that mean we don't have to study the word? No. It says he will remind you of everything I have told you. So we need to be studying the word, imbibing, even now as I'm preaching. You might not remember it word for word after this, but you receive it into the, your spirit, man, and guess what happens? One day you'll need this word. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance. He reminds you of what Jesus has taught you. Are you following he will remind you of what Jesus taught you. Some of you who have your devotions and you're now getting disillusioned because you're like, but will I remember all of this? Get it into your spirit. Get it into your spirit. And then the Holy Spirit has something to work with. You see, the problem is some people never read the word. They never listen to messages. They don't listen in church. And then they're expecting the Holy Spirit to just teach them all sorts of wonderful things. No, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will remind you of what I taught you. So be taught by Jesus and we'll all come back. Why? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I think that's so powerful. John 16 verse 14 says, However, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Are you seeking the truth? 
He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. That's the prophetic. The Holy Spirit loves prophetic environments. He will declare to you what is to come. That's the working of the Spirit. And then it says, he will glorify me by taking from what is mine and disclosing it to you. That's revelation. That's when you sit down. Some of the most powerful times I experience with the Holy Spirit is when I'm sitting, I've got the word, and I'm praying, and he's disclosing things of Jesus to me. Amen? And the glory of God comes, and I begin to shake, and I'm like, what's going on here? It's the work of the Holy Spirit to take that which is of Jesus and disclose it to us. But do you wait on him enough to experience that? Amen? Number eight, do not be under any other influence. If you want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, don't be under any other influence. Don't be under any other influence. Ephesians 5, verse 17 to 19 says, Therefore do not be foolish. Please say to the person next to you, don't be foolish. Do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless indiscretion. Some translations say dissipation. Okay? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless indiscretion. And then it goes on to say, we read the scripture earlier on in Ephesians, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? You know what I think the scripture is speaking of? It's not limiting it to just drunkenness. You know what it's speaking of? Don't be under any influence. You see, if you're codependent in your relationships, where someone else's mood is affecting your mood, if you're under the control of witchcraft, that's manipulation, domination, and control, how can you be led by the Spirit? Amen? The degree to which I will be led by the Spirit, the degree to which I'll experience the power of the Spirit will be the degree to which I'm not under any other influence. Number nine, worship and pray all the time, recognizing your need for Him. Don't worship and pray in your own strength. Worship and pray recognizing your need for him. If you want to experience more activity of the Holy Spirit. In Psalms 22 verse 3, it says, But you are holy, you who inhabit the praises of Israel. So you praise, he comes by his spirit. Amen. Romans 8 verse 26, we see this when it comes to prayer. It says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. How do I increase the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life? I must be praying because he's attracted to prayer. Amen? Acts 4 verse 31, this is so powerful. It says, after they prayed. After they did what? Right. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Shaken by who? Shaken by who? Ah, have a look. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Prayer attracts the working of the Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right. And then finally, number 10. Number 10. Step out 
in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Step out in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Step out in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 6 and verse 11, it says there are different kinds of gifts. Please understand this. Sometimes we are attracted to the gifts that seem more spectacular. But there are different types of gifts. But it says here, it says, but they are all given to believers by the same Spirit. So the same Spirit distributes gifts, but the gifts don't all look the same. And what tends to happen, we just think like, oh, this is the Holy Spirit. Not that. That looks too normal and too ordinary. This is the Holy Spirit. Especially when it's a very spiritual type of gift. I'm saying spiritual in inverted commas, right? So if someone gives you a word of knowledge and says, you've got this sickness, God wants to heal you. Then it's like, yeah, that's a real gift from the Holy Spirit, right? What, what happens if someone has the gift of giving? We just think, oh, it's, no, they're just being generous. But sometimes it's a supernatural gift of giving. What about the gift of teaching? Ah, no, they're just a clever guy who's explaining things. No, you can have a clever person but not understand what he's saying. Then you have someone else who's got the gift of teaching and it lands, it lands, it lands, it makes sense. And you come up to them afterwards and you say, you know what, I failed to understand these things all these years, but now it makes sense. Amen? And goes on to say, but they're all given to believers by the same spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works. Say to the person next to you, there are different ways the Spirit works. Sometimes it will involve people coming up to the front and they're falling down. Other times someone will be crying, just listening to the word, and God is healing their soul, a deep work that transforms their life. Amen? Other times you'll be sitting at your desk reading the Bible and he's giving you revelation that changes your life. The same spirit. But the same God is working in all these ways and in all people. Verse 11. All the gifts are produced by one and the same spirit. He gives gifts to some people. No. He gives, he gives gifts to each person, each person in this room. Don't covet other people's gifts. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. You know what's exciting? Yes, let me just land this. When you embrace the gifts, you're also embracing the giver of the gifts. And the Bible has shown us here that these gifts are produced by the Holy Spirit. If I want to increase the working of the Spirit in my life, I must be open to the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? If I want to increase the working of the Spirit in my life, I must be receiving the gift of the Spirit in my life. Amen? When you receive the gift, you are embracing the giver. If you try and give me a gift and I say no thanks, what's happening? You feel rejected, don't you? I'm not just rejecting the gift, I'm rejecting the giver. Let's pray, ladies and gentlemen.